Welcome back to the Beauty Expanded Podcast. I hope the New Year's has been starting off really well for you. I know for me personally, it's been a great start of the year. I've made some changes into the business. I'm planting the seeds and really getting it more organized, more streamlined, and also having a lot more fun. Interestingly, last night, I actually recorded this episode. But I'm trying something new where I'm videotaping myself doing the episode so that way we can launch it on YouTube and you could actually see my face and realize that it did not record. I accidentally didn't save it, did this 40-minute episode, and then it completely vanished before my very eyes, which is so sad. And so here I am this morning um, at the studio redoing it and you know I guess just trusting everything happens for a reason and so maybe I needed to redo it again so if you're watching this on YouTube welcome if you're listening to it on your podcast stream welcome back and okay so let's just dig right in hi I'm Jade Hernandez a camouflage tattoo artist and educator I help beauty bosses effectively market their business and become the authority in their field, close more leads, and make more money. In the past six years, I've launched two successful beauty businesses to multiple six figures with over 100 five-star raving reviews and several media press spotlights. While most marketers will tell you to hustle and work harder for success, I'll show you how to create more value from the inside out so that you work less, make more, and truly expand and transform your business and life. This is the Beauty Expanded Podcast. I had posted on my Instagram story a few months ago asking my followers what they wanted me to cover in our next episode. And the one that I am going to be answering today comes from Maria from inkedbyflawless.ego on Instagram. And she submitted a question in regards to botched camouflage tattooing. And so her question is, today I had a client come to me with botched camouflage work that was done by someone who is not experienced. And I was hoping that I could fix it. Unfortunately, I had to send her away. So I wanted to ask you, now that camouflaging stretch marks have become so popular and everyone's now becoming a camouflage instructor with so many of them that don't have the knowledge to be teaching, What is your opinion on that? And are you now seeing botched camouflage work? And what do you do about it? And what recommendation would you give those that are interested in learning paramedical tattooing? How should they go about it in looking for a reputable instructor? Sending you so much love from New York, your biggest fan, Maria. So first of all, thank you, Maria, for listening to the podcast and also for submitting your question because it's an important one. And it is something that we're going to be seeing more of as the industry grows and as more and more people get into the paramedical tattoo space. So um, I'm going to break it down and hopefully answer all of the questions that you ask because they're all extremely important. So first things first is, have I ever seen botched camouflage work? Absolutely. I wouldn't say I'm seeing more of it. I mean, Yes, technically, in a way, I probably will see more of it the longer that I'm in the industry, just because there's going to be more services being done and it is growing. So I think it's just a natural result of people doing more work, working on more people and making more mistakes as more and more people get into the industry. So a couple of things of how I address this. So when I see botched work, 
There are times where I have experimented with the client's full consent, with transparency, that I'm literally going to be experimenting with this, testing out, can't guarantee any results, and are they game? One particular client, for example, that comes to mind was a facelift scar client, and she would travel from Hawaii all the way to Arizona. And she had her facelift scars around her ears and her face uh, camouflaged, and they chose the complete wrong color, and it healed very, very bright orange, which is not natural up against skin tone. And so her scar in itself was already pretty textured. So when you think about paramedical tattooing, and this is one of the biggest risks in this industry is that we're always working on compromised skin. Very rarely am I ever working on healthy skin because I'm camouflaging scars and stretch marks is considered a scar as well. And not everyone has the flattest, smoothest, tiniest scar. Most people who are getting camouflage work have healed in a way where their scar is bumpy or or wide. And so there's all these variables that come into play when we're trying to disguise it, minimize it, and blend it in. So in her particular case, she just didn't scar very well, period. And And that sometimes happens. That's why surgeons have a lot of scar revision work as well. Because you can never guarantee, even a surgeon can't predict how someone is going to heal from an invasive procedure, you know, and this is why sometimes infections happen and and things like that of that nature. The body will reject stitches or staples and create scars. So in her particular case, her facelift scars were pretty rugged, very textured. She had, I think, two tattoo sessions. And then really her only option, so when someone has a botched camouflage tattoo job, their only option is some sort of topical tattoo removal service to remove that tattoo. When someone typically has camouflage work done, laser tattoo removal is not an option for them. And for those of you that don't know the reason why, it's because of the titanium dioxide in the ink. So titanium dioxide essentially is the color white. And when you think of flesh tones, skin tones, more than likely the inks that we use, including my own, have titanium dioxide in it. It essentially has white in it. Because if you were to think of paint, for example, if you take brown paint, the more white you add into that brown paint, the lighter that brown becomes. And then if you add even more white, then maybe it becomes more, it turns brown, dark brown to like a beige color. And then if you add even more white, then maybe from beige to like a khaki. And then if it has a lot of white in it, then it eventually will turn into like an off-white color. So when you're thinking of natural skin tones, we are always playing within the realms of brown, variations and tones of browns. So To get something light enough to kind of blend in and match someone's skin tone, it more than likely will have some white in the ink, right? To get that brown, that shade of brown, light enough to depict skin tone. Titanium dioxide in itself is also the largest molecule of most pigments, which makes it the hardest and most difficult and the riskiest to remove. Laser tattoo removals do not work with titanium dioxide because laser tattoo removal works in laser frequencies, like different frequencies. And again, I'm not a laser expert, 
But what I do know is that when laser hits white, the particle white, right, the color white, it can shift it to a gray or a black color. It can also burn the client as well. And that's why when it comes to removing camouflage work, the safest option today, as of today, and this could change in the future as things evolve, but really the safest option is some sort of topical tattoo removal solution that could be saline solution. It could be lactic acid. I mean, there's so many different varying brands and ingredients when it comes to non-laser tattoo removal options and solutions out there. So that is the only way that they can safely remove that ink. So then it comes back to, well, you're already dealing with compromised scar tissue. It's already been needled once or twice by the tattoo artist, right? Or the paramedical tattoo artist. It's now the wrong color. And then you're looking at needling it again to remove it because the non-laser tattoo removal options, most of them require you to infuse that saline solution, for example, into your tattoo pen, re-needle and open up the skin. So that way, when it bleeds and scabs up, that solution, like a, a high potent saline solution, works through an osmosis process of basically pulling that ink out with the scab. So that scab acts like a magnet to lift that ink out of the skin to eventually come out. And more than likely, they're looking at multiple removal sessions to remove that ink out of their scar tissue. So then if you're thinking about all the times that scar tissue is being needled, at what point are you actually causing more harm than good? And the risks become heavier. It becomes riskier because you're already working on damaged scar tissue. And so the more times that you're needling it and correcting it and trying to counteract what's been done, you're leaving yourself more vulnerable to causing more trauma to the skin that's already been damaged and compromised. It also runs the risk of causing more scar tissue and, and a whole other slew of things. That's why paramedical tattooing is serious and why it is risky and why it's also controversial. At the same time, I've been in the industry long enough, right? Like I would not be in this industry if I didn't see the other side, which is I have helped and seen so many people transform their lives because of paramedical tattooing. I've seen women feel so much more confident in their own skin, and that then translates into their careers and the way that they are with their kids and how they model self-confidence and acceptance. And I've also seen it really help build their confidence and self-esteem to date again or to be intimate with their partners and to feel free in their own bodies again. And that's huge and life-changing. That's the great and positive effects of paramedical tattooing when it's done correctly. But at the same time, when it's not, right? So like we live in the world of duality and polarity, good, bad, dark, light. The other side of the industry, which every industry, it doesn't even have to be tattooing. Every industry has a good side or a positive side or a positive aspect. And every industry has a dark aspect to it. The dark side of paramedical tattooing is when these mistakes are happening, it's nearly impossible to truly remove that ink out 
And you you really do run a lot of risk in causing infections and more scar tissue and more trauma. And really, in essence, making your client feel a lot more insecure and self-conscious about something that they were already insecure about, right? And making them feel even more deformed, as I would say, or that there's something wrong with this. You can really highlight an insecurity and something that they struggle with when it's done improperly. And so that's the other side of paramedical tattooing that I don't think a lot of people look at. When you step into this industry, you really want to learn how to take safe, conservative risks. And that's what we teach our students is we teach them to take safe, conservative risks so that they can always build upon what they've done. Because once you go too dark, once you choose the wrong color, you can't really just erase it. It's not as easy as just modifying it. There's a lot of permanency in what we do. I would rather teach you how to take safe, conservative assumptions and risks so that way you can see a client and build upon what you did in a way that's going to leave her really great natural results that don't look like a tattoo, that isn't going to make her stretch marks and scars more prominent or stand out. You really don't want to get into a place where you are doing removals because it's a pain in the butt. It's a very long process. It's not a comfortable one. And it's certainly not an easy one. So yes, we will be seeing more of that. And to kind of go back to my story with my Hawaiian client, because of the condition of her scar, I gave her all the information that she would need in order to make a informed and empowered decision on her own. One option was referring her to start doing non-laser removal options. And because she didn't want to take the risk of causing more scar tissue on her scars. The other option was, and being fully transparent with her is like, look, I, I've never done this before, but I do think that there might be enough space in your scar that I could try and modify the color and dim the brightness and the warmth of that orange. And she was game. So, she came in and I worked with her and by far we were able to truly help minimize that bright orange color that was on her face and we were able to subdue it and camouflage the other aspects of her scar. Is it perfect? Absolutely not, but it's definitely natural looking and way less noticeable than it was when I first saw her and that was her option. Now at the same time, I've had people reach out to me. One in particular, she had stretch mark camouflage done on her stomach. And I asked her to show me her stretch marks. And like, basically, I zoomed in on the photo. And what I was looking for is, and same thing, it was the wrong color and it healed very peachy. So the way that I describe it is like, it's that salmony peachy pink, which doesn't look natural. Again, it makes your stretch marks look like a stretch mark tattoo rather than it being camouflaged into the skin and not looking like it's there. In her particular case, I zoomed in on the photo to take a closer look. And what I was looking for was to see how saturated, how much ink was in her stretch mark. So what I call it, what I say it is, is like pigment loading, like how much pigment was loaded into the stretch marks. And if it's too thick, too saturated, there's not enough space in the cells in her skin for me to even be able to modify 
the color and to influence it. In her particular case, you could just see the ink was just loaded in her stretch marks. When I know that it's just too thick, that there's nothing I can do, no space for me to be able to penetrate a new color that can help subdue it, then that's when I will immediately refer them out to do a non-laser removal session. And that's what I had to do in her case. So it's a per case basis on what I decide I'm willing to risk and what I decide I'm willing, I'm capable of doing. No matter what, I always love to give clients just more information. So that way, if they do need to get it removed, that they have the knowledge to know that they can't do laser or I wouldn't suggest it. So that way they're still safe and there's something that can be done. But I'm totally okay as an artist letting people go when I know that I can't help them and or if I can't meet their expectations. And that's really, really important as an artist and a business owner to be able to discern what you can do, what you're willing to do, because you're going to now take this risk. And if someone messes up and then you mess up, the blame is always going to fall on you and not the original person because you're supposed to be the expert and you're supposed to know what your limitations are. Like the client that's coming to you, they don't know. And so it is your responsibility to be able to educate them on what could go wrong, on what's possible. Like in the case of my Hawaiian client, of letting her know like, hey, I have no idea if this is going to work, but these are your two options. And it's up to you to decide what you're willing to do. And she was willing to take that risk with me. And then it turned out beautifully. But will that guarantee that the next client that comes to me will get the same results? Absolutely not. And that's the other thing about paramedical tattooing is that no one person's stretch mark scars or skin type are ever the same. And that's what keeps me on my toes. And that's what keeps me interested in our industry. And at the same time, it's very challenging. And again, it's those things that most people don't realize when they get into this industry. So to answer that first question is sometimes, yes, you are going to have to let them go and refer them to a non-laser tattoo removal option. And or sometimes if you feel like you might be able to subdue and just kind of, I don't know how to describe it, but like soften the tone of that, like be able to manipulate it and influence it. If you think you're able to do that, and this would probably be required from like an advanced artist, this is more of an advanced skill, then just make sure that you are fully transparent with your client about what you're thinking, what your strategy is, but also letting them know that, hey, this may not work. But I guess if it doesn't work, then they can get it removed. But these are also the risk of removing it. We're already dealing with scar tissue. It's already compromised. And there's never, ever any guarantee that removing it completely is going to be fully possible. And with that being said, even with laser tattoo removals, there's been a lot of clients that I've camouflaged where people have gotten burned by tattoo laser removals. And it ends up leaving them a white scar, which is what we call hypopigmented scar. And then people want me to camouflage that white scar because you can see the outline of their old tattoo. Even laser tattoo removal doesn't guarantee that you're not going to get burned. It doesn't guarantee that there are no risks involved. That's why what we do poses so much risk is because we're already dealing with compromised skin. And then there's all these other variables, whether or not we tattoo them, even if we camouflage tattoo them correctly, 
we're still working on compromised skin, we're still needling them. And that then translates as to why education is so important. Because the minute that you're putting that needle in someone's scar, hopefully you know what the heck you're doing and how deep you need to go. And again, every person's scar and stretch marks are so, so different. That then has me talk about the education piece is unfortunately, because tattooing is pretty much unregulated, it does bring in a lot of people who are only in it for the money. And people who are teaching others without having the experience and expertise to back it up. And that's probably with any industry. If you really think about it, every industry probably has people who are selling and teaching things without the experience and expertise or the integrity is what I call it to truly back up. In some ways, 50% of that responsibility is the aspiring artist. As an aspiring artist who's looking into getting into paramedical tattooing or any sort of field, it is your responsibility to use discernment. It is your responsibility to research people and programs that you're going to invest your career, your dream. It's so much more than just money. Yes, of course, investing your money, but it's so much more than that. It is your responsibility to do the research and due diligence to choose someone that is going to support the jumpstart of your career. Because that first year as a paramedical tattoo artist is the most pivotal one. That first year is the most important because it will either make you or break you. And what I mean by that is if you jumpstart a new career, it is very humbling. You have no idea what the heck you're doing. You're starting from scratch and you're using your passion to sustain your business, the start and launch of your business. And if you're not trained properly, if you went after a training based on it being the lowest training program out there, if you based your career, you invested in yourself and your career based on the terms that they were the lowest provider for you, that fast track, and I'm saying that with air quotes, that fast track to success is often the longest journey there. And the reason why is because that first year as an artist is the most humbling. Not only are you promoting yourself, but you're trying to build up your clientele and you're trying to build up your portfolio and your credibility. If you start making mistakes right right out the gates, how confident do you think you're going to feel in working on more people? How confident do you think you're going to feel in really putting yourself out there and selling your new service and your new business and your new brand? I'm going to bet that you're not going to feel that confident, which is also going to stunt your growth. You're going to have a lot of oh shit moments. You're going to be panicked. You're going to have a lot of anxiety. You're not going to enjoy what you're doing. So when you're not trained properly, you're going to make mistakes. And again, the risks and the complications of making mistakes in a field that has permanency to it, that is addressing people's biggest insecurities and you are permanently altering it for the worse, that will break you as an artist. And that is why a lot of people get into this industry with the naivety. I'm going to make a ton of money in two days of training. Um, I'm going to make six figures instantly and they quit. They quit before they start because they're making a ton of mistakes and people are not referring them. People are not happy. They don't know how to deal with that. They don't have the support from their trainer for that, even though that trainer promised them that they have lifetime access to them, which also brings me to if a trainer is saying that you have lifetime support and they're selling that, they're already lying to you. Because tomorrow is never guaranteed. 
I don't offer that. Of course, my students have my personal cell and they absolutely can reach out to me at any time. But we have a mentorship in place where you're enrolled in a year mentorship program with us with monthly coaching calls. It's support on steroids is what I like to say, because we literally have coaching calls to help accelerate the growth of your business, to help you build your business, to help you generate new leads, to help you close your new leads, how to do consultations, talk with guest speakers, get those legal consents shored up. We're going to have a guest speaker next month who is a CPA who's going to help you with your bookkeeping and your tax questions and how do you file your LLC and why do you need to file your LLC and all those things. And then we also show our students case studies, clients that we're working with in the studio because we're still in the arena with them, which means that if I already know, there is no guarantee that you'll ever have the same exact scar and stretch mark from one person to the next. That means that this industry is... It's going to require you to be a lifelong learner. And what I'd like to do is share with you all the clients that we're working with in the studio and what we're doing to help continue your education and share with you what's really working, what didn't work, and all those little nitty gritty things because I can back up what I'm teaching because I'm literally taking on paramedical tattoo clients on a weekly basis. That expertise and experience is 100% ethical. Versus someone who hasn't touched a client in years and is only teaching. Like how current and relevant are they, are there, is their materials that they're going to now share with you? That's really, really important for me as an educator. And it's just my own morale, my own ethics of if I'm going to teach it, I'm going to walk the walk, right? So I make sure that we're in the arena with our students. Because as I'm learning, I'm sharing that knowledge with my students so that way they're doing incredible work and so that way they can continue to transform the lives of the people that they touch. Where was I going with that? So 50% of that due diligence and discernment is on the aspiring student. And again, if you're looking for the shortcut, it, it often ends up being the longest journey because when you're actually trained properly and really supported, like genuinely supported, not like just call me, you know, when you have questions or you have an emergency, because when you have an emergency, you want to be able to know how responsive that instructor is. If they just train you and then all of a sudden they're MIA and there are trainers like that who have reputations of leaving their students on red, which means that students will reach out to them and it'll show on the phone that the text was red, but the instructor won't respond back. So it's leaving them on red. There's instructors out there that have that reputation. And if an instructor has that reputation, that's not lifetime support when at a time when you probably really need them to get back to you. We're really good at getting back to people within 24 hours or less. When you are fully supported and educated properly, that is the fast track to success because you're going to start seeing results and that is only going to make you feel more competent and confident as an artist. And that is going to help feed and nurture that passion to help others because you're going to start building your portfolio, getting results, happy clients, believing in yourself, trusting in yourself. That's the game of entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurship is a marathon. It is not a sprint. If you just go full force, you're not going to be able to sustain that. And instead, I'd rather help build your confidence and your competence as an artist 
So that way you can have a really long standing career in paramedical tattooing and not something that you can't sustain because you're making a ton of mistakes and you're losing passion and trust in yourself and expertise and knowledge and experience. And it's actually doing a disservice for you before you can even start. With that being said, though, too, is the longer that we're in this industry and because we're working with compromised skin and we're human, it is inevitable that you are going to make mistakes. It's human error. I continually still make mistakes. I can't guarantee perfection because the canvas that I'm working on isn't even perfect to begin with. I also have had mentors who have been tattooing you for 25 plus years make mistakes in front of me as well. It is par for the course, but hopefully, or I know that my mistakes are much smaller than they were when I first started out. So where I wanted to go with this is I have a lot of compassion and patience for artists who do make mistakes because I often feel that it's the mistakes that I've made personally, and I can speak for myself. A lot of the mistakes that I made early in my career have actually shaped me to be the artist that I am today. Without those mistakes, I would not be the artist that I am. I would not have founded like my own techniques and my own theories in paramedical tattooing if those mistakes had not happened. Because anytime a mistake happened, I made sure that I asked myself those questions of how do I not make that happen again? How do I prevent that from happening ever again? And it's those questions that then led me to begin to continue my education look for outside sources and really reinvest in my career and in my clients' results in doing better. And as they say, when you know better, you do better. And so in the beginning, when we were all kind of winging it, which I still think paramedical tattooing is still in its new infancy stage, there, of course, anytime you are innovating something, there's going to be mistakes that happen. But if you shift your perspective if you can change your mistake into a lesson learned, then is it really a mistake when you've been able to transmute it and alchemize it into a lesson learned that is going to make you better for it? And that's how I like to look at mistakes. And it's one of those things that I let our mentees know because everyone is so afraid of making mistakes, right? And the fact that you have the intention of not wanting to make a mistake says a lot about your character as an artist. So we don't want to make mistakes, but mistakes are inevitable. You can be trained. You can be tattooing for years and years and years. I've seen it happen and mistakes are still inevitable because we're working on compromised skin, because we're working with genetics and the physiology of people's health. And you can't guarantee how long it's going to take them to heal or how they're going to heal. That's why even surgeons with all the medical years and residency and experience that they have, even surgeons can still make mistakes. That's why there's insurance. Mistakes are inevitable. Instead of trying to resist it, because that just persists, the anxiety and the stress of it is learning to accept it. And it's what you do after that mistake happens really determines what's possible for your business and your character. And that's what I always like to share with my mentees is like, look, mistakes are going to happen. Hopefully we teach you a technique so that way when these mistakes happen, they're a lot smaller versus like if you were just winging it and had no idea what you were doing. But when a mistake happens, what matters most is what you do after that mistake. Do you try to make it right? What do you do to try and make that right? 
listening to your clients, being there for them, offering them things to make it better or to help them move along the process to rectify the mistake? Or do you leave them on red and do you ghost them and you go complete MIA? That's where I have an issue. And I've been contacted by clients who have gone to other artists and they'll tell me that their art, the reason why they're reaching out to me is because they can't get a hold of their artist because their artist won't get back to them because their artist blocked their number or whatever the case may be. And that makes me sick. So I don't have compassion for that, but I have compassion for those that make honest mistakes. But if you're going to ghost your client and not take any accountability and or gaslight them and blame them for not taking care of their post care, those things I don't have much patience for or compassion because you should be in a place in your business not being dependent that your client is going to follow the post care instructions perfectly. There's things in place in our business that even if our clients don't follow the post care perfectly, we're still minimizing, mitigating the risk of infections and all those things as best as we can because we're not being reliant or dependent of our results based on whether or not a person follows post-care protocols. I think that's an easy way out. And I think it's really easy to blame others and not take accountability when you've got to really take ownership of your own business and what's your expertise on, right? Because you're the expert, you're the artist. And your clients aren't going to know that. So what do you need to do or have in place in your business to make sure that if someone doesn't follow post-care protocols, they're still okay? And then I also don't have a lot of compassion and patience for people who train and then start training others immediately, which has happened to me and it happens in this industry, unfortunately, is people who are seeking the fastest route to money, right? The fast track to success. They see all the money that these trainers are making in these programs. So they get trained and then they copyright plagiarize that person's training program to then offer it at a lower price to other students. And that's the dark side of our industry. Unfortunately, it's because it's unregulated, because there's a lot of people that are out there to make a quick buck. And what happens with that is they don't have the experience or the expertise to really formulate their own conclusions. That's why they're plagiarizing and copycatting. And then they're teaching others a technique that they, they can't back up. But again, it's like 50% of that is on the artist who's creating a business from that place. But then also the other part is the person, the aspiring artist who didn't do the research and or thought that, hey, you know, I can totally kill it at a much lower price, learn what I need to do and also do really great work. It just... Again, anytime you're making a quick buck, it is often the longest route to take because you're going to have to reinvest in more training or you're going to quit. So you've just wasted your money and or you're going to have to reinvest more money into getting trained properly, which has happened for me too. I've had students that have trained with other people, didn't really learn much, and then ended up training with me and saying like, I should have just gone with you in the first place because the money that I spent to go around to get back to you is money I could have saved if I had made the right investment the first time. That's why I think you got to think about what you're worth. What is your career? What is your dream worth to you? Because that is going to require an investment in time, energy, resource, and money. And aren't you worth it? is my whole question instead of going the cheapest route because then you run the risk of making a ton of mistakes that cause further trauma 
and damage and harm to the person and also to your business before you even truly start it. So a couple of things, if you're an aspiring artist listening to this, these are the things that I think you should look for in a trainer is one, you got to look at their portfolio, make sure that they can back up the experience and knowledge and education that they're about to bestow on you. It's looking at their portfolio. If they're using stock imagery, stock photography, they probably don't have the before and afters to back up what they're teaching you. If they're only promoting their students' work, but they're not showing you their own work, they probably don't have the background to truly support you. Are their photos extremely edited and filtered? We don't edit our photos. The only thing that we do is try and fix the lighting so that way we can match the skin tones of the before and afters, but we don't edit our photos. I think if you're editing your photos too much, it again, it's there's a lack of integrity there. And if you're really getting people results, you don't need to edit them. And you also want to create realistic expectations to your future client, right? So again, it's all about honesty and transparency for me and how I run my business. The other thing is look for reviews. Look for student reviews, look for client reviews. Are they still in the arena or are they just training but not taking actual any clients of their own? I feel like even as an educator, you still need to have your hands in the business in order to truly teach people the most current methods and techniques is you literally need to still be in the business. It doesn't mean that you need to be tattooing 40 people a week or anything like that, but I still think it's important that you're still in the arena to keep leveling up your own education and to make sure that you're teaching your students the most relevant technique and education out there. So looking at not only student reviews, but also client reviews, I also think that you need to figure out what type of learner you are. Do you learn well in more one-on-one settings, small group settings, or do you not mind larger group settings? I also think that if you've never tattooed ever and you've never held a tattoo pen in your hand, that you really need to have that training in person because there's no way you're going to know, especially dealing with damaged, compromised skin, there's no way you're going to know what depth perception is and how deep you need to go in someone's skin unless it's in person. I also think that when you're in person learning how to tattoo it's really valuable to have an instructor literally move your hand positioning and your motor skills to help you become a more effective tattoo artist. Those things really need to be in person. And it's the reason why I don't offer paramedical tattoo training online. It's because I just think it's out of integrity. So one is to figure out what type of learner you are, because a lot of trainers offer really big classes where there's going to be a little bit less one-on-one time. Some people offer one-on-one trainings. and then. The other thing is how supportive is that trainer? Honestly, what kind of support do they offer you? Because that first year is going to be the scariest for you. And you're going to have a lot of questions and you're going to want a lot of guidance. And how responsive are they? The only way to really understand this is to, which I would highly recommend, is whoever you are thinking of training with, is to get on a call with them, to get a feel for them. I choose a lot of people based on my gut and I got to just have a feeling about you. And I trust that, right? So it's my intuition. How responsive are they? Did they take two weeks to get back to you? Did they take two months to get back to you? If it took them a while to get back to you, that's already 
a telltale sign of like how they're going to respond to you if you train with them and you have an emergency and you really need to get a hold of them. Let's say you have an appointment with them, a Zoom session at one o'clock. Did they show up on time or did they show up 15 minutes late without any sort of text letting you know, hey, I'm running late? Because I believe how you do one thing is how you do everything. And so those are those things that I look at, which then tells me, and it's no judgment, but it just tells me how you operate as a business and how you're going to be if I decide to step into a relationship and invest my career with you. And I think that's really, really important. It's all those like little tiny details that a lot of people dismiss that are actually the honest, transparent ways or characteristics of that particular business owner and trainer. And so for us, we're really responsive. We're very respectful of people's time because I have a standard of business and professionalism that I like to run my business. If I'm thinking about training with someone and it's taking them days to get back to me or whatever the case may be, or they're showing up late to our meeting, it really tells me that they're not up to the standards that I require my trainer to have. And that's really, really important to me. And I know everyone else is different, but I would say definitely reach out to them, get to know them and ask them what kind of support and see how they respond because actions do speak much louder than words. And so if they're like, oh yeah, we give lifetime support, you can contact me anytime, but they're already showing you that they're not really punctual or responsive, then I think that already tells you what you need to know and you got to trust them. Because how people do one thing is more than likely how they do everything. That's really, really important. And then I think that's pretty much it. I think if you use those steps first, that will set you up on the right path to making a good investment for your career. And let me just double check that I answered everything else. Okay, so yeah, I think I answered all the questions. I loved this question. I think it's a really important one in this industry as our industry grows. Oh, one last thing I wanted to add is I don't want this episode to be like all negative Nancy. And so I really do believe, as my mentor says, you are where your attention is. And so, yes, any industry you can look at has a dark side to it. And there's also a light side to it. If I focus too much on all the wrongdoings of our industry, it's only going to feel more frustration and disappointment in me and and how effective and how fulfilling of an artist and business owner will I be if I only focus on the negative side. And at the same time, if you only focus on the positive side and you dismiss everything else, right? That naivety isn't really good either, right? Like ignorance really isn't bliss. It's good to have an awareness of both sides, but where I'm going to put my energy and focus on is the expansiveness of our industry. Who I decide to spend time with are the people that are in it for the right reasons. And that's who I choose to focus my energy on. It doesn't mean that I don't realize that there's other things happening in the background. But for me personally, I would much rather invest my time, energy, and resources on the people who are doing really incredible work who are in it for the right reasons to help people and not make a quick bug, who are innovators and pioneers in their own field, who are sharing education to enrich and help grow our industry for the better. That's where I'd rather spend my attention on. That's what I would suggest you do as well. And that's where I wanted to end this episode is be aware of everything, right? Be realistic. 
And at the same time, try not to focus too much on all the wrongdoings of this industry because it will take you out. And we need people who are in it for the right reasons. And that is going to be the most fulfilling and fuel your passion and your intention of why you started this industry in the first place. And that's really incredible. So thank you so much for listening. I'd love to know your thoughts on this. And if you guys would like to have a question answered as well, we may be able to post it on our episode and uh, talk about it. All you have to do is leave a voice note. It'll be in the show notes. You can leave me a voice note of your question and I'd be happy to answer it. So I will catch you guys on the next one. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'd love to connect and help you more. If you have a question you'd like for me to answer, please send it to jade at studioconceal.com. That's J-A-Y-D at studioconceal.com. And I might highlight it on my podcast. I find what's often personal is most general. So if this episode helped you, please share it with a friend who may need the encouragement and inspiration. I'll catch you on the next one.